0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We are glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message.
1: The mark of a growing believer we are trusting the Lord Almighty will help us to be able to see what it takes to be able to walk with Him and advance as we proceed in our journey towards home. In the book of Matthew 28, Matthew 28, reading from verse number 18, the Bible tells us that what we refer to in the church as the Great Commission, okay? Enshrined in these verses of the scripture is what we are, is the command to go to the whole world and to preach the gospel. So if you start reading from verse number 18, the Bible says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Many of the church, many of us in the church, we've already, we've heard this verse of the scripture a million times. Okay? Many of us have been taught from the, you know, messages, messages have been, have been preached using this verse of the scripture. And most likely, many of us have gone through You know, this verse of the scripture to use as an exhortation to other people, to encourage them to be able to minister to others. Okay? So this morning, I'm going to be focusing on just two of the verses that I read this morning. I'll be focusing on verse number 19 and verse number 20. In verse number 19, the first thing you see there is the instruction to go. Jesus said to his disciples, go therefore. Okay? This implies that the disciples were not supposed to remain on the same spots. They were not supposed to sit down in Jerusalem. They were supposed to go beyond their borders. They were commanded to reach the end of the earth. And the Bible makes us to understand that when they decided, to, when they started getting comfortable in Jerusalem, God had to stir things up through a man called Paul, the soul of Tarsus, and force them to be able to scatter to the rest of the world. So the first thing you see is the instruction to go. The second thing you see is the instruction to make disciples. The Bible says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This implies that you are not supposed to make converts. You are not supposed to make followers. We are supposed to make disciples. And I will tell you about the difference between the two the, between making disciples and making converts later. The third thing you see is the instruction to baptize. And baptism simply means a public identification identification with our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is saying that when they become saved. When they eventually identify with me, he said, I want them to do it publicly. There has to be a public association with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is not looking for secret believers, he's looking for believers that identify with him publicly. The first thing you see is the instruction to teach. The instruction to teach. The Bible says teaching them to observe all, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And you see that this implies that when the people accept the Lord Jesus Christ when they start coming to church, when they start following the Lord, it is the responsibility of the people that taught them, that brought them to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is their responsibility to teach them and you will know to teach them. The fact that you minister the gospel to someone, that's not the end of the story. Your job is not done. Your job is your responsibility to teach the people who have accepted the message what it means, what you have learned from the Almighty God. It is your responsibility to teach the people what it means to be a Christian, what it means to follow the Almighty God, and what it means to be a disciple of the Almighty God. That is instruction. It's a teaching them to observe. You don't bring people into the church and leave them hanging. You have to teach them what it means to be able to walk with the Almighty God. And that is what we try to do in the church on a regular basis. And finally, the Lord Jesus Christ now gave them a bonus. In order to be able to strengthen them and to give them the assurance, He gave them a personal assurance that He was going to be with them. The Bible says I am with you even to the very end of the age. Which means that when you are doing this job, you are not doing it on your own. When you are doing this job, my spirit is with you. When you are doing this job my presence is with you i am with you to the very end of the age and these are the major elements of those verses of scripture that we have read and many of all and this is the basis of all our evangelistic outro, uh, uh, efforts anytime we go out to preach this is the verse of the scripture that we are basing our work on now when we advise when we encourage other people to come to christ when we begin to do discipleship class this is the bo- this is the verse of the scripture that many of us are trying to fulfill. And many in the church will support what we have just said. But one of the things I want you to notice is that embedded in this verse of the scripture is a very simple instruction that the church for some reason has misunderstood. There is embedded in this simple scripture a, an instruction that the Lord Almighty has told the church but for some reason we have not only misunderstood it, we have misinterpreted it. If you go back to verse number 19, the Bible says, Go therefore and make disciples. Okay, go therefore and make disciples. And for some unknown reason, the church today has misinterpreted that to mean go and make followers, go and make converts. Okay, but the Lord Jesus Christ did not say go and make converts. He was very, very specific. He said in verse 19, is very clear. He said go therefore and make disciples. Jesus did not say you should go and make converts. Jesus said make disciples. Why did Jesus say you should make a disciple? Jesus understood. That there is a difference between a convert and a disciple. Two different things. Okay? A convert can end up being a disciple, but a disciple is not always a... Sorry, a uh, a, a, a disciple is or it can, it starts off as a convert, but a convert doesn't necessarily become a disciple. So you find out that Jesus was very specific. He said, go and make disciples. The question is, why is the church deciding to make converts, deciding to make followers, instead of making disciples? Why? Let me suggest to you that the church is making followers and making converts because it is easy and it is quick to make a convert and to make a follower. All you have to do is get a very charismatic preacher, a very popular evangelist to come and make a declaration and the people through emotionalism, they will rush to the altar and they are all converts. And you will notice that if you look at the crusades that are done all over the world, I'm not trying to diminish the work of the evangelists, please don't. But what I'm trying to say is that when you look at large crusades, a lot of people will come out and they say that they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But at the end of the day, how many of them remain in the church? How many of them continue to walk with the Almighty God? How many of them eventually become disciples? If you look at the rate at which people have been saved in Africa, you will expect that the level of corruption will have gone down a little bit. Huh? With the amount of, um, the amount of anointing that is flowing and the miracle crusades that take place, you will expect that the whole place will be filled up. And so it is easy to make compacts, but it's extremely difficult, you know, very difficult to make disciples. Number two, why do the why is the church more interested in converts rather than disciples? The they it is cheaper to make converts. Very cheap to make converts. Cheap in the sense that you don't have to spend so much money, apart from the money that you are going to use to be able to set up the campground or set up the crusade. It is cheap to make converts because it's a one-time thing. You preach the gospel, they come, and that's the end of the story. But disciples are difficult because you have to stay with them. You have to encourage them when they are weak. When they are weak, you have to continue to strengthen them. You have to continue to pray. You, know, you have to continue to mold them. You have to continue to be with them, heal their wound, and meet them, meet them at the point of their need. It requires investment of time, investment of resources, investment in prayer. It requires a lot of things. It is not cheap to have a disciple, and that's why took Jesus Christ, three years to be able to build those guys up. So it is cheap to have converts, but what expensive to have disciples. Number three reason why the church prefers converse to disciples is because converts are less demanding. All you have to do is you minister to them once, they come for counseling, you tell them God bless them, and that's the end of the story. But the disciple, to be able to make a disciple, to be able to turn a convert into a disciple, it means you have to visit them at home. It means that you have to pray for them when they are sick. When they are discouraged, you are there. When it's raining, you are, they are there. When they are in the hospital, you are there. If for God forbid they are in the prison, you are there. It requires a lot of time and effort to be able to build a... And to be able to develop disciples. That's why the church doesn't want to do it. Number four, why is it, you know, why is the church, why does the church prefer to have combat rather than disciple? It is because all you need to, all you need for a combat is to be able to make a presentation. You make an eloquent presentation and the people fall in love with you and that's it. But when you are talking about, when you are talking about discipleship, it requires modeling. When you tell them about giving, they have to see you give. When you tell them about prayer, they have to see you pray. When you tell them about reading the scripture, they have to see you read the scripture. The line that you want the disciples to model, you yourself have to model that disciple. model that lifestyle. You cannot tell them, do what I say. You have to tell them, do what I do. And that's why Paul the Apostle said, follow me as I follow Christ. So converts require just presentation, but disciples requires modeling. That's why people don't want to do it. Because it's a difficult job. It demands a lot. And finally the church, the church makes combat and not disciples because a convert is satisfied to follow. But a disciple's want to prepare to lead. A disciple requires more. A disciple is hungry. A disciple wants to know. He wants to move forward. He wants to be able to replicate what you are doing. He wants to be able to do exactly the same thing that he has seen the master do. In other words, there is a hunger in the spirit of a disciple that is willing to learn from you. A, a, a convert doesn't care. And that is why you find out that when you go to church that you don't find disciples. It becomes very difficult to do the job. Converts, they like to follow, but disciples are prepared to leave. So you see, because converts are quick and easy to make. Because converts are less demanding. Because converts are, they don't require modeling. That is why the church in this age is more interested in creating converts, in creating followers instead of creating, you know, disciples. The question then is that who is a disciple? Who is a disciple that the Lord Almighty tells us, you know, gave the command to the church to go and make? Who are the disciples? Or what does it take? Or what does it mean to be a disciple? Okay? A disciple is not, is a learner. Okay? Somebody who is willing to learn from the Almighty God. But beyond that, a disciple is not just a learner. A disciple is one who has accepted the teaching of his master in principle and in practice. What does that mean? It means that he not only believes what his master is teaching him, he's willing to change his life to be able to adjust to the teaching of the master so that he can model that particular lifestyle. So if the master tells him something about faith, he begins to live his life to be able to model faith. If the master tells him about sacrifice, he begins to model his life to display sacrifice. If the master tells him anything, he models his life. He believes, he accepts the teaching in principle and in practice. He changes his life so that he can conform to the image or the teaching that the master is giving. And so from this definition, to be a disciple, you must not only believe the teachings of your master, you are required to do what? To change your lifestyle. So you'll find out discipleship requires number one. It requires you to believe. You have to be able to believe the things that you have been taught. Number two, it requires acceptance. You cannot begin to do the things that the Bible requires you to do if you do not accept the teaching. If I come in here and I say, give, and it shall be given unto you, if you don't believe me, you will not be able to accept it. You will say, it's too much much of a trouble. So discipleship requires, number one, it requires your faith and belief. Number two, it requires your acceptance. And number three, it requires your practice. The word of God is useless if you are not going to practice it. Okay? The word of God will not do you any good if you are not willing to practice it. The blessings of the word of God will not be made manifest. The things that God has promised to his people will not be revealed in our lives if we are not willing to be able to practice it. And that's why the Bible makes us to understand that this is not enough. We say just hearing the word is not enough. But you have to do what? You have to be able to put it in practice. When you are a disciple, you are not just learning to gain knowledge. You understand? You are not just learning to gain knowledge. You are learning so that you can begin to practice the things that you have learned. So a disciple is not learning so that he can gain knowledge. A disciple is learning to be able to put to practice the things that he has learned. And that's why Paul the Apostle was telling Timothy, he said, the things that you have heard of me, he said, that same thing commit to faithful men who are able to commit it to other men. In other words, there has to be a transfer of knowledge and a transfer of the understanding of the word of God. Practicing is what the disciple is all about. Okay? So when you are disciples, you are not learning just to gain knowledge, but you are learning to be able to put to practice the things that you have learned. That's why Paul the Apostle said in the book of Romans, chapter 2, Romans chapter 2, from verse number 13, Jesus, Paul the Apostle, was speaking. He said, Not the hearer of the laws are justified in the sight of God, but the doer of the law will be justified. In other words, it is not what I'm saying right now that brings the blessing. What brings the blessing into the life of a believer is practicing the things that he have heard. I have said it here several times. The blessing of giving will not come unless you give. The blessing of prayer will not come unless you pray. The satisfaction that you get to be able to help people will not come unless you actually step out of your comfort zone and help somebody. So the blessing of the word of God, the blessing of being a Christian, does not happen unless you are part of it, and that's what Paul the Apostle was saying. And James repeated the same thing in James chapter one, verse twenty-two. He said, "Be the doer of the word and not hearers only, so that you are not deceiving yourself." We can sit down here and listen to the sermon from now till tomorrow. It doesn't make you a righteous believer that just listening to the sermon. Just like when you park a car, you know, when you park a bicycle in a, in, a, in a garage, it doesn't make that bicycle a car. It's still a bicycle. The same thing, if you remain in the church from now till kingdom come, and you do not practice the word of God, it doesn't make you a righteous person. It only make you a very good listener and a patient person in church. That's all. It doesn't make you anything. So Paul, yeah, yeah, James is saying, he said, Do not be, be the doers of the world and not hearers only. So I say all these to say this to you this morning. A believer who calls himself a disciple of Christ is that individual who not only accepts the teachings of Christ, but also practices the teachings of Christ. You have to put to practice the things that you hear. Now there are many who claim to be disciples of Christ. But very, very few people are involved in the actual practice of the word of God. The question is, how do you identify the men and the women? How do you identify the boys and the girls? How do you identify the individuals? Who are the disciples of Christ? In other words, who? How do you identify the person that says that, yes, I'm a follower of what Jesus Christ, I'm a disciple? If you want to identify the person that is a disciple of Christ, the first thing you want to look is what does that person believe? What does that person believe? There are so many people who are going on in our society right now who are calling themselves Christian. But they want us to be able to support the things that are contrary to the teachings of the Almighty God, to the teachings of the Scripture. They want us to believe the things that, are, that the Bible is obviously against. If you call yourself a if you want to identify a believer, if you want to identify a disciple, the first thing you look at is what does that believer believe? Do they believe the Word of God? Do they believe the standard of the Word of God? Do they believe that the word of God is, you know, the word of God is the final authority concerning the affairs of men? Do they believe the word of God? That's the first thing to look at. Number two, you look at how the word what are they practicing? Is their word and their action? Are they are they opposed to each other? Do they contradict each other? Do they tell you I love you, men, while they are stabbing you at the back? Do they do the things that are contrary to the word of God? Identifying a believer, identifying a disciple, number one is through their faith, number one is through their, number two is through their practice, and then number three is through the production, what they produce, the result of their work. And that's why Jesus Christ said by their fruit you will know them. What they produce. Their lifestyle. The result of their action. Does he engender faith? Does he build up people? Does he advance the cause of the kingdom? Or does he pull people down? There are so many interesting individuals who have come to tell us that they are believers, but their faith is contrary to the word of God, their action is contrary to the word of God, and the result of what they produce is detrimental to the things of the kingdom. And our Lord said this thing very, very clearly. He summed up these three characteristics in a very simple statement. In the book of John, Chapter 18. This is all chapter 8. Reading from verse number 31, Jesus Christ summed up those three characteristics. He said uh, to those Jews who believed in him, he said, if you abide in me, in other words, if you continue in my teaching, he said, You are my disciples indeed. In other words, how do you identify a How do you identify a disciple? Jesus Christ already gave you the definition. He said, If you continue doing the things that I ask you to do. If you continue walking with me in the path of righteousness, if you continue to live a life that glorifies, he said, That is when you are my disciples indeed. In other words, the mark of a the mark of identification of a disciple that Jesus Christ gave up is the mark of continuation. In other words, it's a mark of continuous living. It's not something that you do for one hour and forget about it. It's not when you do it because the pastor says something very beautiful today and your spirit was moved and now you become a priest and now you you are obeying today. It's not because everything is fine, you open the pantry, there's a lot of food, you look at your bank account and everything is fine, and that is when you become a disciple. No. Jesus is saying even when things are good, you are a disciple. When things are not good, you are a disciple. When there is food in the fridge, there is a disciple. When there is no food, you are a disciple. When you have a job, you are a disciple. When you don't have a job, you are still a disciple. It doesn't matter the situation or the circumstances, you are still a disciple regardless of what the situation that the enemy throws at you. That's what Jesus said. The mark of continuation is the mark of discipleship. A disciple is one who continues to believe and to practice the word of God that he has received. Because what is the benefit if I'm only your friend when things are good and I become your enemy when I don't, when things are not good? Or I only become your friend when I can collect something from you and I don't know you when things are going bad for you. Then you are not my disciple. I'm not your disciple. I'm not your friend. And that's basically what Jesus is saying. You are my disciple if you continue in my word. And to continue believing in the word of God. To consistently live and practice the word of God that we have received means that you obey God continually and intentionally. That's what it means. For you to continue to do the things that God is asking you to do, it means there's continuity and intentionality of obedience. In other words, when things are okay, you are obeying. When things are easy, you are obeying. When things are difficult, you are obeying. Every now and then I used to laugh at people who say when they say come on bring your time to church they say no I'm going uh, I'm put away when I when I hit, when I have the money when I hit the lottery that's when I can write a check of a hundred thousand. I say you are a liar. Because if you cannot give one if you cannot give ten cents out of a dollar that you are making right now, I bet you you will not be able to write a check of ten thousand from a hundred thousand, you will not be able to write a check of a hundred thousand from a million. Because it's a practice that you have to develop. And Jesus is saying, the mark of a disciple is the mark of continuity, the mark of intentionality when it comes to obedience. Even when it is difficult, I am willing to obey. Even when it's uncomfortable, I am willing to obey. That's what the Lord is saying. Number two, what is the mark of a discipleship? The mark of discipleship is the mark of discipline and sacrifice in daily living. Discipline and sacrifice in daily living. In other words, it is very, very easy to run your mouth. It is very, very easy to talk anyhow. It is very, very easy to gossip about people. It is very easy to spread lies, uh, to spread rumor, to repeat what you know is not true. But to be able to keep your mouth shut, even when you know that these things are not, you know, that, you, uh, that saying it will be better It is extremely difficult to do that. Extremely difficult to defend yourself when someone is slandering you. Extremely difficult for you to be able to maintain your posture or to pray for somebody who you know does not like your face. Extremely difficult. And Jesus is saying, one of the teachings of Christ is that when they give you, when they slap you on the right hand, the left hand, he said, for you to be my disciple, there has to be a discipline and a sacrifice that is engaged in a daily living. He's saying, Walking with me is not going to be easy. And the person who will do it on a daily basis will be willing to discipline themselves, restrain themselves, and be able to endure some sacrifice. Number three, the mark, of the mark of continuation. The mark of continuation that shows that you are a believer is that growth and maturity in the knowledge and in the image of Christ. What does that mean? It means that every day as you obey the Lord, every day as you conform to Him, every day as you walk closer to Him, you are growing. And you are maturing, not just in the you not know, just in the knowledge of God, but in the character and the outlook of Christ. You know that what when people see you, one year from the day you were born again, they can see the difference. When they see you two years after, they can know yes, there's a difference. Three years after, they can see there's a difference. Four years after, five years, ten years after, they can see the maturation. They can see the growth. They can see the difference in your life. But if there is no difference, if you are living the same way and you are still lying the way you used to lie 10 years ago, and you are still doing the things that you are doing, your mouth is still you still have the diarrhea of the mouth. You can run your mouth from now to the kingdom of God. If all those things are still happening in your life, then how can you say that you are a believer? How can you say you are following him? How can you say you are walking with him? Bible makes sure us understand the book of Second Corinthians, I think in chapter 5. It says something there. He said, He that is in Christ is a new creation. See, all things have passed away, all things have become new. In other words, if you say that you are a disciple of Christ, there has to be evidence of growth. There has to be evidence of maturity in the knowledge of God and in the image of Christ. In other words, when people see you, they can see an element of the image of Christ in you. They can see the difference in the way you talk. They can see the difference in the people you associate with. They can see the difference in the way you comport yourself, the way you carry yourself. They can see that you understand what it means to walk with the Almighty God. The mark of a believer, the mark that shows that you are continually walking with the Almighty God, is that you are growing and you are maturing. And And that is what it takes to be a disciple. That is what it means to continue in the Word of God. And you see, to continue in the word of God, to continue in Jesus of Christ means that you are growing as a believer. A believer that is not growing is an aberration. The question is that how then do you is how do you know that you are continuing in the word of God? How do you know that you are growing? How do you know that you are growing? How do you know that you are having the things that requires that makes you that shows that you are making some advancement in the things of God? How do you know you are growing? The first thing you know that you the, the first way to know that you are growing, number one, is that you have what is called the discipline of obedience. You are able to obey the Lord better. Many of us were before we became Christian, before we started before we started, before we started becoming more committed to the things of God, there were certain things that we will not do. Not because we don't know about them, but because we don't have the energy, or we don't have the volition, or we don't have that particular motivation to do them. But when you are growing in the things of God, you find out that the discipline of obedience gets better. It's easier and easier to obey God. It's easier and easier to be able to conform to the image of God. That's the first thing you see. The second one is that it's what is called the discipline of study. How do you know that you are growing? You know that you are growing when you thirst for the knowledge of God. When you want to know the Lord God Almighty better, when you want to understand his ways, when you want to be able to understand how he speaks to you, when you want to understand how you how his will know the meaning of his word, that is what it means when you begin to go, when there is a hunger and a desire to know the Lord better, and that is that comes through the discipline of study. For those of us who are married and who are, you know, who are in a relationship, you understand. When you start going after that young boy or that young girl, you find out that all of a sudden, when that word begins to, you know, when this when that individual begins to tickle you in the right place, you want to spend the whole day with that person. Why? Because you want to get to know them. All of a sudden when they speak and you can tell this is the individual, this is, you know, this is the person that I wanted and I'm I'm hearing the voice because I can recognize that. The point I'm making is that when you are growing as a disciple, you grow in the discipline of study. You understand your Bible more. You understand the things of God more. You read the scripture more. And that's why Paul the Apostle said, Second Timothy chapter 2. It says, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that need not to be ashamed, rightly divided the word of truth. When you grow, you learn. And it shows that yes, you are actually growing when you are more disciplined in the story. Number three, what is the mark of a growing disciple? The mark of a growing disciple is that they have what is called self-restraint. They are more disciplined. They don't talk anyhow anymore. They don't go anywhere anymore. They do things accordingly. They restrain themselves. Even when they have the right to do certain things, they do them in order to be able to keep themselves. There are so many things that are good for us, but not everything is beneficial unto you. Not everything. And Paul the Apostle said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he said, I keep my, I keep my, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, which means I restrain myself that by any means, I after preaching to others, I should not be a to. It. In other words, as a believer, as a disciple who is growing, one of the things you want to do is remember to, to restrain yourself.
0: Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee.